everybody. Welcome to this episode of the First Baptist Big Spring Podcast. Glad you've joined us today. On this episode, we're going to be looking at the definition of the church. What is the church? What are we called to do? How are we going to accomplish that here in our city and in our county? And I'd like to look back a little bit upon some things that our church has done in the past, maybe look forward to some things that our church will be doing in the future. A couple quick announcements about the podcast. I hope you're joining us every Tuesday for the weekly sermon review podcast. And I hope that's been a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you about content that you would like to hear. You can contact me at admin at fbcbigspring.org. Again, that's admin, A-D-M-I-N, at fbcbigspring.org. Love to hear some topics you would like me to discuss, maybe some special guests you'd like me to have. We've got a couple special guests come up, coming up in the next few weeks. And I've also got a series that I've been working on, take at least two or three episodes to work through that. And we're going to be looking at how to read the Bible, not just how to open it up, but how do you read the different books of the Bible? For example, you read one of the Gospels differently than you read a historical book of the Old Testament. And it isn't because one is inspired scripture and the other is not. No, they're both inspired true words of God. But just like you would read a mystery book differently than a nonfiction book, just like you would read a novel differently than a book that is strictly a reference book, you read different books based on the type of book that they are. And the Gospels are read differently than the letters of Paul because it's addressing and written in a slightly different way. And so we're going to be talking about how we take how that's written and make sure that we're understanding what the writer of the book intended so that we don't make any mistakes in interpreting the Bible for today. That's one of the things we're going to be doing in the next few weeks, and so you can look forward to that. But here's where I want to go today. What is a church? What is a church? What do we need to be doing as a church? How are we going to do that? A couple of years ago, a study came out that was the results were presented at the annual Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Dallas. I actually was attending that meeting in person, and the chair of the study committee presented the findings, and they were looking at discipleship. They were looking at how churches were doing that, what some of the indicators were on making disciples, having people involved in particular things like that. And one of the most interesting things that they found was the number one indicator of whether someone was a fully devoted follower of Christ and participating in the life of the church was regular engagement with the Word of God, which meant that the Bible was not something that they followed along with as their pastor read it on Sunday morning, but it was something that they regularly engaged with on their own. It was a time in the morning where they would read a a chapter and meditate on that and pray. They would study the Sunday school lesson, for example, or prepare for a small group Bible study, or do the homework, if you will, that, that went along with that Bible study. 
but regular engagement with the Word of God was the number one indicator of a mature believer. And so that's one of the things that we want to be about here at First Baptist Big Spring. We want people in this body of believers to be regularly engaging with the Word of God. Because when God's people are engaged with His Word, then the church can accomplish its mission of making disciples here in Big Spring and around the world. And one of the challenges that we run into is a challenge of time. It's a challenge of resources. It's a challenge of priorities. And it's a challenge sometimes of, well, we can't do everything that other people can do. And that's, that's absolutely true. We are not able to do many things individually and as a church that maybe others can. But I believe First Baptist Church has been uniquely gifted, not only in the place that we meet, but in the, more importantly, actually in the people that we have involved in this church. I believe God has given us a gifting. I believe God has given us a special place. I believe that God has put us here and is wanting us to do the things that he would have us to do here in this place. We have an amazing strategic location in our city. We're at the intersection of the two main roads in our city. I believe God has not placed us here out of happenstance. I'm thankful for those believers back in the 50s and 60s that had the foresight and the knowledge and gave financially in order that we could move to this property that we're on. And we've got our challenges here, some of the things that need to be updated and, and things like that, but we're in an amazing strategic location where thousands of cars drive by our facility every day. But what we want to see here in this place is a disciple-making movement that goes out from here. And I believe that the number one way that we're going to do that is to have a church and its people that are regularly engaged with the Word of God. Tom Rayner is former president of LifeWay Christian Resources, where the majority of our Sunday school classes get their curriculum from. And he tells a story in his book that's entitled Scrappy Church, God's Not Done Yet. He tells this story in the opening. I'd like to read that quickly for you as part of this episode. It's titled Hope in the Amazon World. We all know at least parts of the story of Amazon. He's talking about the internet company website. Jeff Bezos started the company on July the 5th, 1994, one day after Independence Day. He began the organization upon which many of us would pledge our dependence. At its onset, Amazon was an online bookstore, storing books in a garage. Bezos saved us a trip to the local bookstore. But in the past quarter century, Amazon has entered so many industries and offered so many services that we've lost count of them. In an amazing turn of events, Amazon has become the largest provider of cloud computing services in the world. But Amazon started as an internet bookstore. Amazon started in Bezos's garage. So if any industry should be afraid of Amazon, it should be book retailers, right? For certain, many of the big chains have felt the wrath of Amazon power. Try to find a Borders bookstore in your town and you'll understand. But something amazing has happened in place of the shadow of the seemingly omnipotent Amazon. Independent bookstores are not only surviving, but thriving. 
The reality has flown under the radar of most observers. I guess most of us assumed the indie stores were long gone. Not so. To the contrary, it's a thriving industry. Dozens of articles are now surfacing about the resurgent and resilient business. So what do the independent bookstores do? They did not try to compete directly with Amazon. They did not offer Amazon Prime. They did not sell a gazillion books. They did not even offer free shipping. And they did not offer endless streaming videos for you and your family to consume. But they did connect with their communities. They did have fun of events that reflected the hopes and dreams of those who lived nearby. They offered intensely personal services, not innately digital services. They curated their books so the consumer could better understand what was available. And they responded with new local ideas instead of new data-driven algorithms. He goes on to say, I know this book is about churches, not Amazon. It's about reaching our community, not selling our books. But I'm guessing you're understanding the reason for this early excursion. I think you get what I'm writing about independent bookstores in a book about churches. The main reason is to provide hope. And a close corollary is to demonstrate how that hope is actually played out in local congregations just like ours. What he's saying is we cannot be everything to everybody, but what we can be is uniquely gifted and talented to what God has created us to be. Uh, the dentist that myself and my family go to is in San Angelo. And one of the things that I have discovered in at least four to five trips a year to San Angelo just for the dentist between myself and the other three members of my family is there are some differing places to go in San Angelo that, that we don't have here in Big Spring and, and many are local. And one of the places that I've discovered is a bookstore, just like Tom Rayner is writing about here in the book Scrappy Church. It's right downtown. I can't remember the name of it right now, but they have an amazing collection of used books right there in the store. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a bookaholic, probably is the best word. I have too many. I read four or five at a time, which means I'm really not reading that many at a time. I have books on my shelves on my shelf that I've never read. I say I'm going to get to them, but sometimes I don't. And one of my favorite all-time series of books is the Hardy Boys. Love the Hardy Boys. I've read every single one of the books that is in the Hardy Boys series. And I like to collect the early editions of those books. And this bookstore in downtown San Angelo has those. They have a lot of them. And I went in and I found this and I bought six or seven the first time I went in. Part of my collection kind of a geek like that. I keep a running list on my phone of what I have and what I don't have. And when I go in there, I love going in there because not only do they have that, they have all kinds of other random things in the store. There are literally millions of books on Amazon.com that I could order and have to me in two days without having to make a trip to San Angelo. They would send it to me for free. I would pay for the book. They ship it free, etc. But something about going in that store, I like it. I enjoy it. I, I like finding books that I didn't even know existed. I'll find myself doing this at Battlefield gift shops as well. Where I'm like, wow, that looks like a great book. Ooh, it's a signed copy. And I could have found this book online. But something about going in there and seeing it and looking at it and having it connect to the place that I am has a powerful impact. 
The same can be true of our church. You can watch any church you want to online right now, just about. But what you can't get is to walk into a worship service or a small group Bible study and get community, true community, with people that care about you and want to help you and want to provide for some of the needs that you have when you have a tough time in your life. You can't get that in that way. We've been forced over the last six months to modify and adjust and do the best we can as we meet online, as we provide live streaming, as we even have Sunday school classes online. But I don't think there's anyone in, the, in this audience that's listening right now or is in our church that, that would say, man, I just wish we'd meet online all the time and never get back together again. That's not, definitely not me. Is there convenience in that? Yeah. Are there some advantages of it? There are a few. But what we're finding out is we crave community. We crave that. We need that. And there's also the bit about accountability to each other. There's a bit of accountability that's going on in that way. Many of you know I like to read strange historical things. And one of the things I've done in the last year or so is I've been looking back over historical church documents and it's very interesting things in the history of our church. And I found framed in a closet in the deep, dark dungeons of our church, I found an undated Sunday school worker slash teacher covenant. This document is at least 15 to 20 years old. I do, it is not dated. I know a few of the people that are on here. I won't tell you their names, but two of the five Sunday school teachers that signed the document that I'm about to read to you are still in our church. One is still a Sunday school teacher to this day. Kenneth Patrick is the pastor at the time. He signed the covenant as well. But here's what I'd like you to listen to. I want to read this for you. And I want to ask you the question. If you were asked to sign this in order to lead a Sunday school class today, would any of us live up to it? So listen to this. Here's the heading. Being confident of my calling from God to teach and realizing that I'm dealing with eternal souls, I hereby, I hereby before God covenant to dedicate my life to his service. In humble dependence upon God, I earnestly pledge myself to this covenant, believing it to be in accordance with his plan. And then there are nine things that each and every Sunday school teacher agreed upon. Number one, I will live that I, I will live what I teach in separation from the world and in purity of life, avoiding all appearances of evil, setting an example in dress, conversation, deportment, and prayer. Number two, I will be faithful in attendance, arriving at least 10 minutes early to welcome each pupil as he arrives. If at any time, through sickness or other emergency, I'm unable to teach my class, I will notify my director at the earliest possible moment. Number three, I will at all times manifest a deep spiritual concern for the members of my class. My first desire shall be to bring about the salvation of each pupil, each pupil who, does, who does not know the Lord Jesus and to encourage the spiritual growth of every Christian. 
Number four, I will carefully prepare my lessons or programs and make each class or department session a matter of earnest prayer. Number five, I will regularly attend and urge members of my class or department to be present at Sunday services, realizing that the church and the Sunday school are inseparable. Unless unavoidably detained, I will attend the midweek prayer service. Number six, I will teach according to the doctrines of our church, Christ our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. Number seven, I will wholeheartedly cooperate with the absentee program of our Sunday school and will strive to visit the homes of each pupil at least once a year. Number eight, I will attend unless unavoidably hindered the weekly Wednesday workers meeting and the training classes. And number nine, I understand that my appointment as a worker is for a 12-month period beginning on the first Sunday of the year. Whether my appointment is made then or later in the Sunday school year, I understand that it automatically terminates the last Sunday of the Sunday school year and that decisions regarding my reappointment are based on this teacher's covenant. I don't read that for you to say, boy, we're doing a bad job. We have some tremendous Sunday school teachers in our church. I read that for you in order to strive yourselves and myself in order to hold ourselves accountable to realize and understand that the regular, ongoing reading of the Word of God, studying it with other believers, is crucial and essential in the life of the local church. Without an understanding of the Word of God, without a commitment to the doctrines contained within Scripture, without a wholehearted and rigorous belief that the Word of God is not only true but sufficient, we're no different than any other organization in this world. The one thing that we have that no one else has is the Bible and the Jesus Savior that it's all about. If we are simply here as a church in order to feel good about ourselves, in order to participate in something we think is good, in order to come and seek entertainment or even fellowship, if we just come because it's something we do, then we're failing to live up to what God has called us to do. The church is not a social organization. The church is not a country club. The church is not a place that you come just to feel good about yourself, although you should enjoy being here. The church is not a place where you strictly come to see your friends. The church, the local body of believers, is the place that we come to worship God with others, and to be sent out to make disciples in this city. Some of those things, sure, you see friends here. That's great. We get to enjoy each other's presence. We have a Wednesday night meal that will be starting back up at the end of August. It's a great thing to participate in. We sit down, we talk about life, we ask each other how our days are going. We come together and we, we'll play games sometime. We'll, we'll go on trips We'll participate in fun activities. Some of my favorite times with our church staff were just sitting around the, a table together 
and enjoying a meal and and talking where we don't have any church business to discuss. It's good to want to be here. But ultimately, this church is about making disciples in this place. So how are we going to do that? What are we going to do? Let me encourage you in two ways today. Number one, read your Bible. Read your Bible, study your Bible, engage with the Word of God. And second, if you're not involved in a small group Bible study, you need to be. Some of you listening to this may be serving in other areas of the church. Maybe you help out in the audio-video department on Sunday morning. Maybe you teach children Sunday school. Maybe you're a youth Sunday school worker. Or maybe you're an adult Sunday school teacher yourself. And, and it's challenging sometimes for you to be fed as well. But you need to be participating in that type of Bible study. You need to be doing that so that God can grow you and teach you. Because what we're going to find is what that study that I referenced earlier is going to find. When God's people are engaged with his word, we will make disciples in this place. And the kingdom of God will expand. And this local body of believers will begin to multiply in number and influence for the kingdom of God in this community. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. I want to pray for each and every person that's listening today. I want to pray that we would challenge ourselves to engage daily and regularly with the Word of God. You have given us the resource. You've given us your words. May we utilize it. May we make disciples here in this place. God, I ask these things in your name today. Amen. Thanks for joining me. Look forward to next week's sermon review podcast. It'll be posted on Tuesday. Have a great day.